Welcome to the Real Estate Mindset Podcast, hosted by Eric Nelson and brought to you by Wild Oak Capital. Eric is a real estate investor, business owner, and performance coach. Throughout this series, Eric explores the mindset behind why certain investors are so successful and how we can learn from their achievements and failures. Eric asks the tough questions around the habits, discipline, mindset, and more required to achieve the most ambitious goals. Thank you for being here and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Real Estate Mindset. This is your host, Eric Nelson, and today's guest, John Rickgarn. He's awesome because he's talking about like investing passively and it, it's almost like that's what he does for a living. And it's really cool to hear. And he, he essentially does, right? He's also a realtor, but he quit his kind of sales job and headed in this direction. So he has a podcast talking about all these tips, about all these things that are helpful with passive investing. And so it was just a cool conversation for me to kind of pick his brain on what he's invested in and pros and cons of it and all that stuff. So I sincerely hope you get some good uh, info from this. So I'll bring in John Rickard. All right, John Rickard, thanks for being here. Uh, very much appreciate your time. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, you bet. Pleasure's all mine. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, I can't wait to hear more. I mean, I, we shared a little bit about your story, but I, I want to hear more. So I guess, you know, we'll just dive right in. If you could, like, maybe give us a little bit of your background and then we'll obviously continue to dive deeper in passive income, as I know that's kind of your thing, but we'll we'll get into it. But if you could, like, give us your background, what brought you to, to real estate? Sure. Uh, yeah. So I'll actually kind of take a step back to, you know, around 2011, 2012, kind of that area. And even before I was, you know, kind of highly paid salesperson. I sold office equipment, ended up being in that industry for 12 years and was very much go, 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 you know, get up at, you know, 6, 6.30, drive a lot, uh, put on 150, 200 miles a day. <laughs> uh, and then when getting home, open up the laptop and working on proposals, answering emails, working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And yeah, I made good money. I shoveled a lot into my retirement accounts. And I know I can just remember it. It was actually November of 2014 that my wife, she decided, long story short, she decided to leave a toxic work environment and go back to school to get her doctorate to become a teacher. So I remember sitting there, it's like, all right, we're down to one income, you know, just go out, sell more, uh, started to reevaluate what was coming up on leases and stuff next year. And then it just kind of dawned on me at that time, I was 31 years old. And if I was to relive my entire life per se, you know, all those birthday parties, works, et cetera, I still would be at the arbitrary retirement age of 65 that everyone says you should be. And during that whole 31 years, I'd be working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And then my second aha moment, I was just like, well, was to say I'm going to make it to 65 because both my parents passed away in their 50s by the time I was 16 of cancer. So it's just kind of this awakening moment of, okay, there's got to be more out there than just you know working your tail off, save, save, save to retirement, and which is not a given. And is there something else out there other than working? And that's where I kind of started to do a deep dive into books and podcasts, YouTube channels, mindset, and learned about passive income, and then obviously real estate, and just kind of took off from there since 2014. Oh, I love it, man. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your parents and and thanks for your vulnerability to kind of share your aha moments. Yeah. So then I guess let's let's talk about this a little bit. So you had 
a couple of aha moments. You're like, man, why would I continue to kind of grind, 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 right? Like yep. passive income is a possibility. So what does that look like? What does it look like for you? And then how did you get started? And then, and then maybe, yeah, continue forward to where we are now. Sure. Uh, so at that time I was, uh, uh, what's the saying called? You're unconsciously incompetent. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So I just kind of did a deep dive into you know, everything from real estate, promissory notes, uh, stock dividends, uh, you name it. And it was really just kind of a, you know, mindset change instead of working so many hours, selling so many copiers or whatever the number may be, it was just setting up passive income streams. And my motto tagline, if you will, I've always kind of looked at is uh, financial freedom, one bill at a time, where I look at my monthly recurring bills, you know, I kind of throw out the Netflix option. It seems like everyone has a Netflix subscription. And instead of looking at a monthly amount of, you know, 10,000 a month or whatever that number may be, just break it down and okay, you have this bill, whether it's Netflix or your, I don't know, $100 a month or internet bill or whatever the case may be. And then you just work backwards and find a passive income stream that will pay you 15, 20, 100, 500 bucks a month, whatever that may be. And once you have that stream, you know, whether it's a, a rental property or a promissory note or whatever the case may be, then okay, that bill is essentially paid for by passive income. And you just kind of work your way up. It's weird. It's like a debt snowball, but with your bills. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's one way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a bill snowball. <laughs> yeah. I never thought of it that way. So <laughs> so let's, um, let's, I guess let's dive way deep here. What, what do you invest in passively? Maybe there's quite a few things. And if you don't mind, we can get into like Maybe pros and cons of each of these avenues. Cause you know, obviously, like I'm a real estate investor, but we've had all kinds of guests on the show. That's the point is education, right? So if, mm-hmm. if there's something you're doing that's better than real estate, I want to hear about it. Sure. And also like pros and cons of some other avenues. So so yeah, I guess essentially what have you been investing in and then pros and cons of those things? Sure. Uh, well, probably first and foremost, and what I've invested in the most is cash flowing real estate, you know, leveraged with you know, 15, 20, 30 year uh, loans. And obviously the passive income comes into play to pay everything from our mortgage payment to our utilities and whatnot. Since I started with my first investment in 2016, currently have investments in five states, but then also went into passively investing with real estate syndications. And uh, last two years, I'd say, uh, really started getting into uh, trustee uh, investing where you're a partial owner and you're essentially the bank, so to speak. So instead of someone, you know, Eric pays Bank of America or Chase or whomever the monthly mortgage payment, well, that monthly mortgage payment is getting paid to investors like myself. So, got it. Okay. So, do you have rental properties? Because it sounds, at first, it sounds like maybe you have a property or two. And so, did you buy those? And what are the pros and cons of those? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> kind of did things in reverse. I actually started with a fourplex back in 2016. Creative financing there. I actually pulled money out of my Roth IRA, used it as a down payment, and then used a non conventional loan for the rest. Since then, then also got a duplex in Wilmer, Minnesota, about an, about an hour north of Marshall, condo down in Tucson, Arizona, which is a, our short term rental slash second home, uh, duplex in Davenport, Iowa, a single family home in Memphis, Tennessee, and then two single family homes in Birmingham, Alabama. So Awesome. Okay. And so what are the pros and cons of like doing those kind of what we'll call smaller, like single family duplex type mm-hmm. stuff? Like, do you still enjoy those? There's some things like, 
going, the reason I'm asking all this is going back, would you, would you have done things differently? And do you still like those investments? I do still like them. In hindsight, I wish I started earlier. I mean, I <laughs> still remember the days of seeing, you know, sub $100,000 properties, you know, turnkey models, uh, you know, throughout the US. And there's a few out there, but they're getting more $150,000, $200,000 and such. I like the single family home just because one, obviously it's open for conventional financing, but you just have more exit strategies where if you sell it to a first time home buyer later on, another investor, or you know, you kind of have more avenues. Whereas a multifamily, you're pretty much stuck with another investor where they're just going to look at the numbers where, as we've seen right, wrong, or indifferent the last two years, where people are bidding twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars above asking price, no contingencies, <laughs> kind of makes it a little bit easier for single family rentals to, you know, have an exit plan if you need it. Yeah, I love it. Okay. So then uh, let's talk about syndication. So that sounds like those are next sort of mm-hmm. passive investment. And when you say passive, so I assume all of these have property management in place before we jump to syndications. Yeah, that was uh that was a caveat with my wife when I first uh, kicked around uh real estate investing. She said, all right, I support you, but we're getting property managers. We're not you know, being the ones to get calls or having to deal with tenants. And she, you know, jokingly throws me under the bus. It's like, I'm handier than you are. So it's not, doesn't make sense <laughs> to have you the one on call. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, cool. And um, syndications. So how many of those have you invested in so far? Right now, let's see, I just invested in my third one. So it, as far as like true syndications per se. Okay, cool. So how are those going? Pros and cons of those? Pros and cons, I, you know, if you're a, how do I say, if you're, if you're a control freak where you really kind of want to, you know, I want to pick the paint color of my single family home, or I want to put in some landscaping projects or whatever the case may be, might not be the route for you where you're putting a lot of trust in the syndicator of, hey, take my money along with other investors and make more money with it. So really comes down to a lot of vetting and, you know, due diligence. That said, the pros with it, one, I like that it is really truly passive. You just you know hand it off and you're not even looking at monthly or you know dealing with property managers. And two, you can kind of get in for a smaller amount, you know, 25, 50, 100,000 versus you know buying a you know, $250,000 duplex all on your own. So those are kind of what I see as the pros and cons with it. Yeah, I love it. So any, I guess, anything you would go back and change now up to now? I mean, like, would you... Are you glad you bought the single families, the quad, uh, syndications, anything you would change like looking back? Nothing really I would have changed, uh, you know, not to dwell on it too much. It's not like I could make any <laughs> changes now. My biggest thing is I just wish I had invested earlier. You know, I started in 2016, really kind of put the pedal in the metal in 2019. And then obviously COVID hit with, you know, supply chain, inventory shortages. And so the you know, I always look for properties that hit the 1% rule and those have been really few and far between since then. So. Yep. Totally. Okay. So then are you, so are you kind of full-time investor at this point or do you still have a W2 or where are you headed? 
Uh, no, I, so I always uh, kind of introduce myself, uh, investor, educator, and realtor. So I actually left my W-2 job uh, three years ago as of this recording. So I am a realtor. I consider myself an investor-friendly agent, work with first-time home buyers and investors. I'm also still, you know, manage my own portfolio, but then also do uh, podcasting, blogging, and a YouTube show, just like you're doing to educate others on, you know, mindset and getting passive income streams, as well as, you know, asset protection and other uh, caveats I think are important for wealth building. So yeah, I love it. Okay. And the final class you said you're in was, was in some deeds or some investing in deeds or notes or both? Both. I mean, there's, yeah, you can kind of promissory notes depending on the state and situation might be secured or unsecured. There's actually a company called Ignite Funding out of Las Vegas that their minimum investment is $10,000. So it's very low barrier of entry. And I've also kind of looked at this where, you know, people are talking about rising interest rates, like, oh, it's going to make borrowing costs, you know, unaffordable mortgages are 7%, et cetera. But I just flipped that. It's like, well, kind of back to mindset. If rates are going up, isn't that better for the lender than the borrower? So instead of getting maybe eight to 10% on a trustee note, I'm starting to see 10, 12, saw even one at uh, 14% interest too. So, you know, whether it's good news or bad news, I think it always just kind of depends on what side of the desk you're on. Yeah, totally agree. I love the attitude. I mean, it's true. There's always kind of like opportunities. So what I'll say is I don't, I don't think I really want the opportunities to come that hurt other people. You know, it's yeah. like, I don't want to see people losing their jobs and stuff, but right. let's say interest rates go up. You know, there are going to be some opportunities where people need to get out of a property, that type of stuff. So hopefully... Again, hopefully no one's getting like seriously hurt by it, but if there's right. out there, that's that's the goal. And I love how you could say, hmm, maybe if the lender's getting better money, how can I flip the flip the sides of the table yep. right? rather than complain about the rates? Yeah. Well, so, I look at you know two years ago when rates were dropping. I mean, one year we you know it was 2020 we refinanced a bunch of properties. Uh, lowest interest rate 2.375, highest was four and a half. And obviously fast forward two years, interest rates are higher. It's like, well, as a lender, I'd rather get 12% interest versus that four and a half percent interest. So I think it's just all about positioning. Totally. Okay. So let's say someone comes to you, say a friend of yours says, Hey John, I want to do what you're doing. How do I learn more? And I know, you know, obviously your podcast, but if you're at a party or something, what are you kind of telling people right now is sort of the best way to passively invest if, you know, if there was one avenue? I'd say if there was one avenue, I'd first ask like, what are you good at or what do you know the most of? And I think all of us kind of have a niche of, you know, I know a lot about, you know, mortgage underwriting, or I know a lot about the hospitality industry, or I know, you know, a lot about, you know, pick whatever. And nowadays, I mean, even just a simple Google search, you can find syndications, crowdfunding, startups for just about anything. So if it's already something that you know, you know, about, you know, there's probably a way already out there to make money on it. Whereas, you know, throwing myself a I could care less about sports. I don't know anything about football. So if someone came to me, it's like, hey, do you want to buy into an NFL franchise? I'd be like, absolutely not. I know nothing about football. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. So what is your podcast? Let's kind of pitch your stuff here. How are you getting the word out? Sure. Uh, yeah, my podcast is uh, the Wealth and Freedom Nexus. Just came up with the title of, you know, I know a lot of wealthy people that have a lot of money, but they just don't have time freedom. And I was kind of 
think back to when we were back uh, in school as kids where we had a lot of time freedom. We had weekends, holidays, and three months in the summer off, but I don't think many of us were wealthy. And I think the connecting point to really have a life filled with time freedom and wealth uh, and income is through passive income, where it's income constantly coming in 24-7, whether you're working or not. That's really the key to get financially free versus I got to get a better job. I got to find you know more hours or get a raise. And I've basically just taken the route of everything that I've learned in the last eight years, kind of putting it through a funnel and kind of the best of the best, if you will, for you know companies, investments that I've myself have uh, experience with to tax tips and everything. So if someone was in my position that I was in eight years ago, hopefully they're able to leapfrog and get to financial freedom even quicker. Yeah. I love it. I mean, that's, again, the goal is to kind of share the knowledge. That's what I love so much about the space is like, Mm -hmm. you're not competing. Like if you're going, (laughs) especially as a passive investor, I mean, literally the options are limitless. It's like, yeah, why not share? Why not educate? Uh, I love it. So it's awesome, John. Well, I appreciate you kind of getting the word out because I think, you know, I've said it a lot. It's a pretty powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, I can't remember who said it, but I uh, can't remember the quote off the top of my head, but it was like, you learn a lot from other people's successes, but you learn 10 times more and 10 times faster from other people's mistakes. So if you can kind of share or hear stories of, you know, don't invest here or don't do this or uh, make sure you do better due diligence, I think it's just going to make everyone's uh, journey a little bit faster. Yeah, that's so cool, man. Ron Johnson, we're going to shift gears here. I have some questions for you. Um, sure. Do you have do you have a morning routine? Morning routine, uh, either my alarm or my son wakes me up. <laughs> then I let the dogs out, change him, feed him, or eat breakfast together, kind of get ready for the day, uh, drop off at daycare, drop off my wife at work, and then every day is different for me. So sometimes I'm on the road, sometimes I go in the office. <laughs> Sounds good. How do you how old is your son? 13 months. Oh man, that's awesome. You're yeah, yeah you're kind of in the young kids stuff. I have a three-year-old and five-year-old and it's super fun, but yeah, mornings can be a little hectic. So cool. Well, so what, what books are you reading or what books can you recommend? Um, it seems to be kind of old hat. Uh, everyone seems to think of rich dad, poor dad. I always, uh, recommend that one, but I'm always, uh, uh, heads I win, tails I lose is another big one I recommend. Just kind of takes a different approach to kind of like against Dave Ramsey, becoming your own bank and just you know, high level kind of creating your own banking ecosystem versus being dependent on a bank, you become your own bank. That's probably one of the other books I always recommend to people. As far as ones I'm reading now, learning a lot about kind of the Great Recession housing crash that occurred back in 2008. Currently in the middle of a very long book, uh, Too Big to Fail, that goes into Washington Mutual, Lehman Brothers, um, just kind of all the craziness in the mortgage market. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think this is, is being recorded late October of 22. So right now is like on the, we're on the precipice. So we're not really sure it's going to be really bad or just kind of bad or maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe all the predictions are wrong, right? Like, yeah. Maybe fine. So it's a very interesting time to be talking about this. So I think that's awesome. You're getting educated on some historical events, mm-hmm. you know, that were pretty rough, right? And so yep. how can you be prepared and that type of stuff? So. Cool. So have you ever had a, a paid coach or paid mentorship? And if it, if you have, was it worth it? Uh, I have not. So I can't answer if it was worth it or not, but I've okay. uh, networked with a lot of over the years. Uh, I've had several mentors in my life. You know, if you want to call them paid that w- I take them out to coffee or lunch every now and then, I guess you can count it that way. But <laughs> 
Sounds good. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, the point of the question is to say, like, it's hard to go real fast by yourself, right? So if you can right. lean on a mentor or coach or someone who's been there, that's when it's, you can kind of get propelled. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you found a mentor like that, who was like, yeah, I'll mentor you with coffee. I mean, that's incredible, right? So like, hopefully you leaned on that person, not too hard, but hard enough to gain the materials <laughs> you needed. <laughs> right. Cool. All right. So what's, a, what's something you've done that you would not repeat that we can learn from? Something I've done that I would not repeat. See, probably the one thing, and this kind of goes down the tax rabbit hole, so to speak, is I did invest in a lot of promissory notes, trust deeds on my own for a number of years. But I found out that as far as the IRS is concerned, they treat interest payments a lot differently. They basically tax you at your marginal interest rate versus like rental income where Obviously, it's very advantageous, especially depreciation. So probably the biggest thing that I would do over again is that any investment that was taxed in my marginal tax bracket, I'd either not do or do in my retirement account and concentrate more on the income streams that you know are taxed between zero and 15% versus you know 25 to 30. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it sounds to me like you've lots of tax tips. So this is definitely not a question I ask. I don't think I've ever asked any guests this, but like, <laughs> you have a, do you have a tax tip maybe for people who are looking to passively invest? I mean, the one you just gave was amazing, but sure. maybe there's like a low hanging fruit, maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe like a low hanging fruit. And uh, this isn't passive per se, but you know, at the time of this recording, you know, October, I'm sure anyone out there that's had, you know, stocks or, you know, traditional IRAs that have taken a little bit of a haircut this year. You know, me with your CPA, take advantage of the drop, so to speak. I'm a big fan of Roth conversions where high level you migrate investments from a tax deferred account to a tax free. So you essentially pay the tax once and that's tax free forever. And the other thing I like about Roth IRAs, kind of going back to how I started with the fourplex, in a Roth IRA, you can take out your contributions anytime tax free, penalty free. If you try to rob your traditional IRA, say, hey, I want to invest in a you know, real estate or whatever outside of my retirement account. Well, after taxes and fees, you could have about 50% of that go to Uncle Sam. So yeah, it's kind of crazy to like the retirement account thing is is a struggle for me. Like <laughs> I I mean I think there's so many rules around it, right? They're like to your point, if you don't follow the rules or you don't maybe even know them to follow them, you can end up with this giant tax bill if you start taking them out or moving around. Right. Yeah. So I guess really quickly. So if you have a Roth IRA, let's just say, sure, and you're young, let's say you're 40, you know, I know there's a, a maximum, I think it's 6,500 bucks a year or something like that you can put in. So mm-hmm. you're saying you can take some of that cash out penalty free at any time? Sure. Uh, and actually 6,500 is a new threshold for 2023. I think it's still 6,000 for 2022 here. But uh, yeah, if you, you know, max out your Roth IRA every year, you've already paid the tax on that. And just using round numbers, you put in six thousand, it grows to nine thousand. You can take the six thousand out, penalty free, tax free. The earnings you can't touch until you're fifty nine and a half. But if you do whatever reason decide, yep, I'm taking that out, uh, then you just hit with the ten percent penalty, which to me is a little more palatable than your highest marginal tax bracket plus a ten percent penalty. So, got it. Okay, cool. No, great tip. Um, right now, so the the final question is is kind of two parts. So, what is your definition of success? For me, definition of success is 
living a life that you want, where I think all of us are dreaming of how we want our life to be. And I think success is living that life of what we want, whether that's, you know, sitting on a beach 24 seven or skiing or working in a dream job, you know, everyone's got their own answer to that question. But instead of dreaming what you want life to be like, it's actually living your life that you want to live. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So why do you think that you've been able to find success and others maybe not? I think a lot of it comes to, you know, probably education. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of stuff I've learned the last eight years just isn't taught in K through 12 and really isn't even taught in college. So, you know, sometimes people are like, just seem to think I know all this off the top of my head. It's like, no, this is based on eight years of countless hours, days, listening to podcasts and reading. It's not something I just picked up overnight, but if I can kind of, like I said, with my podcast streamline kind of the best information I've gathered over my journey and share that with others, hopefully it jumpstarts them quicker in their journey. I love it. Final question, Jonas, how can people uh, get in touch with you? Well, I uh, always joke I'm not too hard to find. Uh, there's actually only three Rick Garns in the world. So you can just Google my name, go on LinkedIn, Facebook, rickgarn.com redirects you to all my websites and uh, links. And uh, you actually see above my shoulder, I'm on uh, you know iTunes, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter at WFreedomNexus and WFreedomNexus.com is my website. So Love it. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate your time, man. This is a great show. You know, kind of packed with a lot of info here. So thanks for being on. Thanks for being on. You bet. Thanks a lot, Eric. Appreciate it. All right. Hopefully you all gained something. I mean, I know I did. I was asking the questions I want to hear, but it's also nice just to hear what someone else is investing in. You know, again, pros and cons of those things. What's good? What's bad? You know, what would you have done different? That's kind of a fun conversation to have. So I sincerely hope you gained something from it. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for your time. If you could share this with a friend or give me a review or both, that'd be much appreciated. So see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Mindset Podcast. If you've enjoyed the content today, please follow this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to head over to wildoakcapital.com for more information or to connect with Eric directly. Please take a moment to leave a review or tell a friend about what you've listened to today. We hope you'll tune in again soon.